Good morning. Glad that you're here. We're in um, our Christmas series called The Greatest Gifts, plural. We just started it, so if this is your first week, we're not so far into it that you can't connect dots uh, real easy. And I think that you will enjoy today. It's a little bit different, and then we're going to talk about some things that are happening right now that are really fun, and I think it will um, bless you. Uh, let me just give one last announcement, and I'll jump right into the message. Christmas Eve services this year, you might have seen the signs that are up, but just in case you didn't, services are at 1, 3, 5, and 11 on the 24th. 1, 3, 5, and 11. 1, 3, and 5 are regular Christmas services. Choose any one that you want to, and I uh, would encourage you to invite someone to that. Maybe be praying about right now who you would invite to that. It's the perfect, it's the perfect opportunity to invite someone to church. If you struggle with, you know, when, and I'm, Christmas is, is it. And I promise you this, I will, um, I will give an opportunity for people who were here that day to find Jesus as Lord and Savior. I always, always do that. There have been some Christmases we've seen 200 plus people born again um, over that, uh, that weekend. And so just, why don't you be praying about that right now? I pray, if you pray, God will show you someone or he'll put somebody in your path. And we just think it would be the perfect thing. The 11 o'clock service. Let me talk about that just for a moment. Pastor Terry will do that service. I'll do 1, 3, and 5. Terry will do 11. 11 is our more traditional service. Um, it's got, uh, for those who grew up with liturgy or like liturgy, it's got reading and response. It's candle lit. It's communion that's in it generally. I don't know everything that Pastor Terry has planned this year, but I know in years past, uh, he does a really good job in tapping into that. For some people... They enjoy that so much on Christmas Eve, and then you can welcome in Christmas Day uh, at the end of the service. But you're welcome to any of them. If you want to come to 1, 3, and 5, and then come back at 11, that's fine, or just go to 11, whatever. Um, love to have you out this weekend and invite somebody to come to it. Okay, here's how I set up last week, and let me just say this to jump into today. Uh, Isaiah. Isaiah was a major prophet from the Old Testament. Isaiah, um, what makes, and for this message, what makes Isaiah really powerful and really interesting, Isaiah lived in the 8th and 7th century before Jesus was born on the earth. So 700 years before Jesus is born, Isaiah begins to write clear, accurate prophecies about Jesus. He writes that Jesus will be uh, born of a virgin. He writes that Jesus' ministry will be the ministry of good news. He writes that Jesus will suffer and die. When I quoted during communion, by his stripes we are healed. That's Isaiah 53. And so I showed last week all of the different prophecies that set up 700 years before Jesus is born. They set up the coming of the Messiah. And then Jesus fulfilled every one of those perfectly. One of the reasons you can trust the Bible is that the prophecy is accurate. If the prophecy was put out there and then it doesn't work, we've got a reason to question things, right? But when it fulfills it, look, you have to turn your heart away from it because you don't want to see it. And I just, I, I love it and tried to connect that. So here's, here's my, my text for me during this series is Isaiah 9, 6. JJ even sang about it. I, I didn't know he was going to add. How, did you like that last song? Oh my gosh, that's a powerful song. Ugh, what an anointing on that song. Lifting up Jesus. Uh, a child is born to us, and a son is what? Given. So I want you to say it one more time. A son is? Given. given. It, a mirroring scripture is John 3.16 that we all know, for God so loved that he gave. he gave. God is a giver. God's heart is generous. Aren't you glad that God always stands like this with us? And never like this with us. He never tells us if you can figure out the right combination of words, prayers, beg enough, then you can get me to unlock my hands and give to you. God's posture to us, look at me real quick, is always like this with his hands open. And how about this? If you are a Christ follower, we are most like our father when we do what our father does. I've got a friend, had lunch with him uh, earlier this week. He's from New York. Right, so he's got that that Brooklyn, you know, accent. Um, yeah, he's got a lot of problems in his life. Um, he he tell we were joking about this. He said the advice that my father gave me on finances. He said his dad took a bunch of bills and put it real tight in his fist like this, and told his son, "See if you can get them out of there." 
And my friend would pull and pull and pull and he couldn't get him out of his dad's hand. And his dad said, see, that's how you go through life. Don't let anybody get your money. I agree there's some wisdom to being able to hang on to your money. But dude, if you're tight-fisted, here's the problem with it. You may be like this, but God can't put anything into your hand when you're like this. So you pray, God bless me, bless me, bless me, but you go through life like this, not imitating your father who was like this. The scripture says it's better to give than And most of us want to be on the receiving end all the time. But let me tell you why it's better to give. Because if you are giving, you have it. And if you need to receive it, you don't have it. So most of us are like, I wish God would give. Open your hands. I have found in my life that as long as he can give through you, not simply to you, the miraculous takes place. So God is generous. So uh, for this message today, here's the greatest gift that we're talking about today, generosity, and I believe it's a gift. So this is what makes this really interesting for me. Over the last two weeks only, now some of you are going to have stories that are prior to two weeks, some of you are going to have stories that started today. I know that, I get that, just here's what it is. As pastor of a church that's got a lot of different people doing a lot of different things, guys, I'll hear stories, I, I get to be a part of things. And I want to get up on Saturday or Sunday and I want to tell these stories because I think it will encourage you. But life happens at a high rate of velocity. How many of you are surprised like we're in December already? It's about to be 2020. I cannot believe. It's, it's as though the years are like months now, it seems like. They just go by so fast. And so it moves so fast that I get up and I want to tell something, but 10 other things have happened. And so then I forget to tell it. So I just, I started over the last two weeks I asked the Lord show me and so just in a space of two weeks time I want to give you five quick stories on generous things going on in our church that I think are just awesome right just incredible the first one you've heard us been talking about angel tree if you don't know what angel tree is we're not the only church that does it a lot of churches do it in the area and thank God for that but angel tree is this uh parents who are incarcerated for whatever reason we're not judging that reason have children And their children are not going to have Christmas unless somebody has a heart for them. So what we do, this angel tree is a little angel that's filled out by a kid of an incarcerated parent or parents. And they just put on it, hey, I'd like this for Christmas. And then they're distributed. A church can decide how many they want to take. What I love about what Jubilee has done, we lead the area in angel tree. It's just generosity is not a theme once a year that we talk about generosity in this church is a, it is a principle that we've built the church on. I'll show you here in just a second, right? We are generous people. When I talk about these things, this is not Pastor John, this is you. I'm applauding you. I'm cheering for you, right? So uh, here's, here's, <laughs> last night, unfortunately, I made a mistake. I said to the crowd last night, there's no angels left. So good for you for taking them all. And then Amy walked up this morning and said, Dad, there's four angels left. Okay, I need you to go get those four angels. But let me tell you what you did. Listen to this right here, right? Angel tree, 100 families, 227 children. You've given 454 gifts. 454 gifts. You've outgiven everybody around us. And I'm so proud of you for doing that. And these things go by year after year. And I never have a chance to really talk about that. But I was so excited. How good is it to say after these four, you better hurry and get one if you want one. You will not have a chance. How good is it to say that instead of begging? Please, there's 400 out there. Little kids are not going to have a gift unless you get. Aren't you glad to do it this way? How fun is that, man? That's generosity. Uh, In this service and in this service only. I didn't do it on Saturday night. I had a really interesting meeting uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and a uh, guy that, uh, family that's involved in our church that, that, uh, that loves us, and I trust them, and he said to me, Pastor, there's a ministry that we support, and the man's in town, and would you be willing to meet him? Because I love the man, yes, I'm willing to meet him, but then the man comes in, and the man begins to tell me he's, he's from Africa, and he does ministry. Listen to these places, Ethiopia. South Sudan, Egypt, the Sudan, Syria, Uganda. He's planted 9,000 churches. 9,000 churches. I'm like, we've planted six. (laughs) 
good ones. That's true. That's true. But so then I'm thinking, I comfort myself by going, well, you know, some of these organizations, you know, you've got a goat and a Bible, and that's a church, right? And I, I go, uh, Pastor, what is, he goes, it has to be 50 baptized believers. Five leaders, correct? Then they can be a church. And the largest one, Pastor, is how big was the largest church you have? What did you tell me? How many? 6,000. Come up here. We're both short. Come up here on the. Come on. Come on. This is Pastor Elihu. And. Yes. Good job back there. So here's what I said to you. Um, one of the things that they've happened since the pandemic is that uh, they've had some pastors martyred. Uh, they're ministering in countries that are hostile to Christianity. And so it leaves wives and children without the ability. And so uh, I just asked him, what do you need? What are you, what, what's in your heart? He said, one of the things that we're hoping to do is to have um, a conference to bring all of the churches, the pastors together, but we want to minister to you. He said, you just can't believe going through the pandemic. Guys, you know, there's first world problems, and sometimes we're like, you know, the leather in my car is getting stained from my jeans. <laughs> right? We're upset about it. And then there's people this morning meeting who are taking their lives in their very hands this morning. And there are brothers and sisters. Pastor, what do you need? He said, John, I need 12,000. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking America. He's going to need about a quarter of a million dollars. Right? And he goes, I need $12,500. Now, I could have run to Pastor David, and I said, David, we just got to find this money. But I felt like the Lord said, wait, I'll show you what to do. So I came to you, not Saturday, to you. Do you remember? Yep. I just brought this up. $12,500. You gave $18,200. Thank you, Pastor. God bless you, my friend. We love you. This church is behind you, right? We will support you. We will partner with you. And we will find ways to help you, brother. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time and letting me do it this morning. Let me make this to see. God bless you, my friend. Yeah. That was generous. The money, but standing up and cheering. You gave some. Let me give you a definition of generosity. Rather than just a dictionary, let me give you a working definition of generosity. Someone showing generosity is happy to give time, money, encouragement. What did you just do? You gave encouragement joyfully. No one forced you. Pastor was not like, I'm going to come find you if you don't get on your... Food, resources, help, love, whatever. When we do it joyfully, the Bible says that God loves joyful generosity. How good is that? Ah. How about this? Um, there's a Spanish and Indian church. They're smaller. One's 50 people and one's 75 people. They both almost identically have lost their buildings that they've been renting and meeting. One's meeting in a bar. For 10 years, 10 years, and we got connected to them, um, and so they're just like, they didn't come and say anything, it was me. I said, hey, would you guys like to use our building for free? It's like moving in with your parents, save your money. <laughs> Don't go buy crazy stuff now. We'll let you use our building. Our training center is set up as a church. The only thing we're trying to balance with them right now is, hey, how can we do this so that we can keep doing what God's telling us to do, but how can we give it to you? And we won't charge you. You can have our building. Why would we do something like that? Because when I was a little church, what I desperately wanted was a big church to put their arm around me and say, I don't want you to worry about tomorrow. You just do the thing that's on your heart. You preach and don't worry. We were so close to the street all the time that I couldn't preach with that freedom. I was so worried about what would happen, what's going to happen, right? You ever been there? Some are like, I'm there now, Pastor. Okay, if you are, this is never a one-way offering. If you need help, always come and ask us. We'll help you. 
Generosity is not a theme. It runs in our blood. It is who we are. But I had no big church to put their arm around me. So the Lord said this to me. Give away what you want. Become what you want. So I found other churches that were in the same position we were, and I put my arm. I remember when we were in the storefront paying the salary for a pastor in a church that was going to either close or keep going because he could keep feeding his family. We four went paying ourselves. It's more than 20 years ago now, so I'll say it in order to make sure that this church went good. You know what God saw? Leach gets it. And allowed us to become a big church. Look at me. My, when I look in the mirror, I don't think I look like a pastor. I don't know what I look like, to be honest with you. I'd like to say pro golfer, but that's not ever going to... Not a penguin. You do? But that's when you're just lying to yourself, right? So... <laughs> I just don't think I look like, you know. But I think what God saw was a heart that would do it for other people. He knew. So our reason for being big, we don't think we're anything. We just think God can use. When we come together, there's power and resource. And we're willing to do something with. We're not going to eat it all ourselves to keep the boat afloat. We're going to give away as much as we can. That makes sense. Hmm. So you'll see a little Indian church and a Spanish church using our building in the next month or so. And <laughs> you know my plan? I just can I just I haven't even shared this with Chris yet. My plan is. <laughs> I don't. I hope they're not in here right now. I don't think they are because they have Sunday meetings. They come over on Saturday just to be a part of the service. But they don't, I don't think they're here on Sunday. My plan is to get them in here and then help support them too, right? Not just give them a free thing, but make sure they have what they need. What kind of equipment do you need? Are you trying to hire people? Isn't it great for churches to be able to do that for other churches? You know, the Bible tells us to be generous, especially to the household of faith. How do we take care of those? Okay, so I'll just keep going. We had someone recently, and I got to be careful when I tell the story because I can't expose people. They asked to do it anonymously. There's a man in our church who sold something that was really important to him, and then he had all the resources, and, and instead of doing what, you know, rightfully so, this is his, go do whatever you want to, he comes and says, I feel like the Lord said, give a first fruit offering. What's first fruit? It's not your tithe. It's not a gift to him. It's just like, hey, what would you like with this? And so Kristen, who works in our business department, Kristen said, here's two or three places we, we need it, and one of them was a widow's fund. So then... Ames gets involved, and she says, Dad, I've got three widows that I can direct this for. And one of the things we did, we knew that two of the three were not going to have Christmas this year. And so we were able to provide gift cards to them. You should have seen the tears that you gave so that a couple of widows could have Christmas presents for their family this year. That's cool. But then let me give you one that's probably just like the most awesome thing. Um, and it's not my story. This is JJ's story. So, Jay, I'm going to have you come and share the story. Now, listen, I wanted to share this story, but JJ's like, no, it's my story, John. <laughs> no, that's not. He's like, that's you right. can tell it if you want to. And so, Hello. but it's his story. Check. Hello. Hey. Uh, <laughs> no, it's all my story. I'm just kidding. I was like, please tell it. It's so cool. Um, a couple weekends ago, after our Sunday service, I went out and got Kate and my kids out of their classes, and we always make our way to the candy bowl because they have to get a lollipop before they leave. So I was standing there while they were deciding what flavor they wanted, and this guy that I've seen, but I don't know him, um, comes up to me, and he starts talking to me, and he's like, hey, and he just talks about how he's been enjoying worship, and um, he says, I noticed there's a hole in your guitar, and I was like, wow, I can't believe you noticed that. But just over time, I've worn it out strumming. And he was like, a leader like you needs the right tool to lead from. He just handed me an envelope, and he just turned around and walked away as I was saying thank you. And I, nothing, things like this don't happen to me. So I was like, what the heck? And so Kate came over, and I was like, this really nice guy just said some unbelievably nice stuff to me, but handed me this envelope. So she 
discreetly went around the corner to see, and it was a significant amount of money to buy a new guitar with an incredibly kind letter. And I just was like, I, I don't, I have such a hard time with that. I don't know what to do. And I literally, in the same minute, I turn around, and this woman that I've seen, but I don't know, comes up and she goes, I feel like the Lord wants me to give you $100. And I was like, I have to be on some sort of TV show at this point. Like, <laughs> this is not real. I have no idea what's happening. And so she writes me a check and, and both of them said something to the effect of like, I'm just being obedient to what the Lord has called me to do. Which, I mean, the gift, unbelievable blessing. But what they said just like struck me like, oh my gosh, like that is so, wow. So we're like regrouping at this point, like, if I turn around again, what's going to happen next? And so Kate was like, well, we should go look at guitars. Like, you know, this is such a cool opportunity. And so we went to lunch with our kids and just having a fun time. And we went over to Guitar Center and they have like a fancy room of acoustic guitars and all the guitars are locked. So I couldn't just like try them out. And I was like, I can't believe I'm in here. This is such a cool moment in my life. And I asked if I could try this guitar. It's like my dream guitar. And as I'm playing it, I'm like zoned out just playing it. This old man comes into the room. He starts talking to Kate about our kids and just super nice. And so I'm, he leaves and I'm like, Kate, I really want to get this guitar, but I got to figure out how it's all worked. Da, da, da. And I go out to tell the guy that worked there who had unlocked the guitar and the same old man is talking to him now. And so I said to the guy, just, hey, I'm interested. Could you hold it for me if I need to? I'm just trying to figure out some stuff with getting it. And he was like, totally, you should buy this guitar though. And I was like, I know I should. And so... Kate and my kids and I walk to the front of the store and the old man follows me on the other side over. And he's like, hey, are you wanting to get that guitar? I was like, oh yeah, I'm thinking about it. He's like, I feel like the Lord wants me to pay for half of it. And I was like. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So I immediately, I've never seen this guy in my life. And he later tells me he doesn't live in this area. He had come to another church for their Sunday service and they invited him back for the night service. And he liked it so much, he was just hanging out at Guitar Center until night came so he could go back. And so we start talking and Kate and the kids left and I was like, all right, the guy was restringing the guitar and we go over to the counter and I'm gonna explain that this guy wants to pay for half and I don't know. And I tried to be like, are you sure? And before Kate left, she was like, if this guy wants to bless you, like, don't take that away from him. Like, let him do what he's wanting to do. So I get to the counter and I'm like, just about to start. And this old guy goes, I'm going to buy the whole guitar. And I'm just like, <laughs> I have no words, except the guy that works there goes, I've seen a lot of stuff at this store. I've worked here a long time. I've never seen something like this. And it was a moment where I got to share Jesus with the guy that worked at Guitar Center. Cause I was like, I got to tell you, man, like this is a story beyond just some random thing. <clears throat> And so I led from that guitar now this weekend and you know, what a gift, what an unbelievable situation to be in, but what the Lord has done through that and spoken has boosted my faith and just given me so much more than it's just, I said yesterday, God always outdoes himself. And this was a moment where I saw him in action. So. And so if you are, like, if you're thinking through the whole story and you go, but the original gift. So what happened to the original gift? So I said, Jay, call the guy that gave the original envelope to you. Tell him what happened. When he says, I don't believe you, tell him, no, it really, really happened. But just ask him, what do you want to do with that money? Because that's your money. That's not our money. So Jay called the guy and the guy said, listen, Jay, once it left my hand, it belonged to the church. So he said, you do with it whatever God tells you to do. The only reason I tell you that part is I want you to know you have to have integrity with money too, right? You always operate in integrity. And you know, if you think, well, like, why would that happen for JJ? I'm not sure other than I can say this. When we sow, we reap. And JJ has sown faithfully as our worship leader, ups, downs, goods, bads, I don't have, of all the talented people that have worked in this church on almost 25 years in worship, I've never had any single worship pastor that had more of a heart for me and Chris than J.J. has. He's sewn into that. And then we have this done for him, where it's this most from, and so you might go, here, I, I was just like, well, he's your son-in-law, of course. Dude, I've had another son-in-law that did not have a heart for me. Probably shouldn't have said that just now. Edit. <laughs> Let me give you three 
quick things with generosity. They're the fill in the blanks. If you want to take notes on them, I think they'd be worthy of your time. I think that this is just so much in the heart of God. You know what was really cool for me? So I had decided a couple of weeks ago, here was the direction we were going to go with the message. But when I came in, I study on Wednesday morning. And so I get up early on Wednesday, and I have some quiet time on Wednesday. And then as I go to prepare my notes, I get, you know, my, my text. Ding. And I look at it real quick, and it's a man who goes to our church that I'm good friends with. And he sent me this, um, uh, a YouTube of a clip of a Jewish man who's talking about the secret to prosperity. God gave it to the Jews in generosity. And so I'm looking at this as I'm about to write a message on generosity. And I'm thinking, did he know? But nobody should know. So I just text him real quick. And I, his name's Gary. I said, Gary, did you do this because you heard I was going to do this? And then I was going to ask him, who did you hear that from? Who's spilling the beans here. And he goes, John, I don't know anything other than the Lord put that on my heart last night and I felt I was supposed... So, you know what it was? It was like God going, John, just, I'm giving you the A-OK on... And you know what we do? We ask God to confirm something. Like, hey God, if it's you, move my big toe. <laughs> and you know what we do? If he moves it, we go, can you do it just one more time to make sure? <laughs> yes or no? Are you like that? So I'm just like, okay, God. So let me give you three things real quick. Uh, I think that they're just true. By the way, these are not ideas. These are not suggestions. These are principles. What is a principle from the word of God? A principle is an immutable law that works whether you're a believer or not. They are laws that run the universe. Some of them are things like gravity. Whether you believe or you don't believe, gravity is a part of our universe. Yes or no? So that you're like, well, I don't believe in gravity. Go step off a building. You can stay all the way down. I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't believe. Right up until you splat. So that when you say, I'm going to say sowing and reaping is an immutable law. That whether you're a believer or not, let me explain to you. If you sow kindness to people, you will reap kindness back. If you sow disrespect and anger to people, what will you reap back? You cannot sow anger and expect to reap kindness. Do you agree with that? It's foolish to think that way. You cut somebody off, they are not going to wave at you, give you the peace sign. They're going to try and cut you back off or let you know from behind. Another kind of peace sign. Peace of my mind sign. How about that? Do I need to go any further or are you like, you know, okay. So sowing and reaping is an immutable law. So what I'm about to give you are just three parts of an immutable law that if you apply these, you're going to find a tremendous blessing in your life. Okay, here's the first one. The fill in the blank is the generous will. What's the fill in the blank? Prosper. prosper. The generous will prosper. Proverbs 11.25 reads this way. Look at this real quick. Uh, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be what? So this is a sowing and reaping from the Old Testament that talks about when you're generous, you'll prosper. Those who refresh, others themselves will be refreshed. If you sow that, you're going to reap that. Now, let me explain this to you because this is very important. Some of you will go, Pastor, so I, I get that the Bible says that, but I think you're making more of it than what it says. So let me try to explain this to you and really tell you where your mind is at. You have a paradox when you have the kingdom of God. Now, a paradox is something that looks to be wrong on the surface, an oxymoron. But once you study it or pull it apart, it turns out to be true. So here, here's the world. If you have ten and you give one, the world would say, now you have nine, which is less. God says, if you have ten, you give one, now you've honored God and put yourself in a position for an X factor. What's the X factor? Jesus said it's 30, 60, or 100 times. So is a dollar a dollar? Sometimes. But can I tell you that when you take generosity and make it only about money, you are going to the lowest common denominator and missing some of the greatest blessing. One day of favor yep. is worth more than a lifetime of your labor. You can labor hard in school, and you're supposed to work hard, but God opening one door for you 
will do more than you can do a whole lifetime knocking on them, begging people, trying to put yourself in a place. One day of favor. So how do you get that favor? According to this, the generous prosper. And so many of us go through life like this. And some of you right now are like, preachers always talk about money. You know what you have? <laughs> you have a problem with money. You probably worship money, and that's why you don't like me talking about it. Uh-oh. I didn't say that last night. Boy, that's tough. Mean Pastor John. When I was a kid, this is, this is really interesting. When I was a kid, my dad showed me how to mix epoxy together. Anybody here know what epoxy is? Because epoxy to work. Terry last night. <laughs> I come over here. I'm like, Terry, do you know what epoxy is? Terry goes like this. James is like, your dog ever do that? Look at you like, what are you doing? Terry's like, I don't know what you're talking. I'm like, epoxy. And he had a senior citizen moment for me. He texted me last night and said, John, I, I do know. I figured out what epoxy is. <laughs> yes, I do know. You do know. All right, epoxy is, it's glue, super strong glue. But the way that it works, you have two parts to it. So you squirt the first out. Then you have to mix the second one. And when they come together, there's a reaction that causes it. The two things have to come together to cause it to do what it was supposed to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we just read Proverbs 11:24, But scripture, you never cherry pick scripture. You read scripture in context. Who's it written to? Why is it being written? How do you apply this? So when you go and you cherry pick a scripture, it may or may not mean what you want it to mean. So you want to read the Bible the right way. So Proverbs 11:24 has a, another verse connected to it that the two have to be read together. 24 comes before 25, and these two are together. So it's like the epoxy. You have to do both of these things at the same. The generous will prosper, yes, but that's only one part of the formula. There's another part of the formula that have to be mixed together to make this work. Because you're going to go, I've tried this and it never works. First of all, we don't try scripture. We believe scripture. We believe it. If that's not in there as a foundation, I believe this. Now you're operating from an unfaithful place with it. That's not how we do it. Okay, so here's the first mix of the two. Give what? Freely. One more time. Give Freely. and become wealthy. more wealthy. Be stingy and lose. It's a paradox. How do you give and get more? How do you hold on to and end up with less? That is a paradox. We don't listen. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. We have a different set of rules that govern our life. God is not sweating high interest rates. He's not freaking out about recession. Four of us are like, I don't know. I, I think he might be. You know what you have? A God in your own image then. A God who fears what you fear. Mm. Mm -mm -mm -mm. The generous will prosper, but there's a giving part in this. This freely, this joyously. So I'm congratulating you because I gave you five things that you're doing oh so well right now in the last two weeks. Yes, 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 yes. Which puts us in a place to say to God, our hands are wide open. Because <laughs> it only gets fun when you get in this position right here. When you go from this and this, where you really surrender your life and you go like this, yep. now you're saying, God, it all belongs to you. Yep. Does it? Yes. Does it? Do you want it to? Here's the next one. Give away what you want. Give away what you want. So let's, let's get wisdom here. 
Proverbs says, with all you're getting, get wisdom, get understanding. When we read scripture, it's not simply to become smarter, it's to figure out how do I do this in my life because that's when it all comes together. You mix your faith with the truth of scripture and there's an explosion. Did you hear that? Okay. Give away what you want. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Look at these two scriptures that are used in opposite... uh, One is in giving and one is in um, sinning, to be honest with you. But the point is the same, the sowing and reaping. So this is 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Paul writes, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap gargantuanly. No? Why? Because it doesn't work that way. Do you... Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Okay, so then let's look at this other verse. We flip the coin. This one is listed um, as like sinning, but it's still the point of sowing and reaping. Uh, The Apostle Paul again, do not be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Now this is used in the negative of sowing. Sowing and reaping is an immutable law. Both negatively and positively. With all you're getting, get wisdom. You're reaping something in your life today. Something. You're getting something back. And it's not something that happened two weeks ago. You've been putting something in the ground. And you begin to get it back. Do you like the harvest you're getting right now? If so, sow more. If you don't, Change what you're doing. Did you hear me? Jesus in Matthew chapter 12 says, change the tree and the fruit will be good. Make the tree good and the fruit will be good. Make the tree bad and the fruit will be bad. A tree is known by its fruit. If you don't like your fruit, you get a choice to change it today. The problem is we want instant change. I've never planted anything and got it back the next day. A weed. A weed. Would you agree? A weed. A weed will come up over. The problem is, that's not what I was looking for. Somebody here goes, weed? What? (laughs) Didn't hear anything else, did you? Oh! Holler at your boy. Who is it? Yeah, I know. Come on. (laughs) Not me. Not me. The person who's, yeah, yeah, not me. (laughs) All right, let me, come on. Let's get this done here. (laughs) With all you're getting, get understanding. This is a principle that works in every way. Use it to your advantage. God gave you this principle because he wants you to use it to your advantage. Not your disadvantage, your advantage. So I wrote... Give what you want. Become what you want. I wanted to be a big church, not because I thought for my ego I needed a big church. I wanted the resource of a big church because I knew we could move the needle. I knew we could change lives. I knew we could affect things. I knew we could reach out to pastors we will never meet on this side of the earth and make a difference in their life, but someday in heaven. Look at me. You will thank me that I taught you this right now. James Ruder, I knew in Peru, I knew if we just got involved down there, there was good fruit to come from that place. It's not perfect. Nothing on earth is. The Lord pours out his gift into vessels of clay. It's an amazing thing. The perfect Holy Spirit lives in broken vessels that sin that make mistakes? Yes? Yes. So you go, well, if I could just find the perfect thing, (laughs) you better go to heaven. (laughs) It's the only place. James and Corrine have invested heavily, more heavily than Jubilee has in Peru. And that's our number one place that we put mission funds on a year-to-year basis. And they got involved and have done it. And I've watched, are you blessed? Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> That's the 
<laughs> oh, I wish I could tell a story. <laughs> oh, my goodness. When do you start? When do you want God's blessing? Here's, let me tell you what the lie is. Look at me, look at me. My name's John, I'm your pastor, I love you. I'm here to help you. Don't turn off to me right now. Let me tell you what the lie is. The lie is, when I get there, then I'll begin to do this. Now let me tell you what the truth is. What you do now is what you'll do then. Because it's not an amount of money, it's not a gift, it's not a guitar. It's a principle in your heart. When we were little, I could not say, once we hit 500 people, once we build our own building. I remember we were building one of our buildings, Lone Tree. We're trying to raise money, and the Lord said, I want you to give a tithe of the money that's coming in to a guy that's almost finished with his building, a missionary down in Mexico. I'm like, God, nine minus one is eight. You ever... The Lord's like, John, you don't have enough, so you can go with what you have, or you can give it to me. Mm. You know what I've learned? Through space and time, I've built up to be able to say this with great authority and great power. So when do you start? Start now. Become these things now. Start where you are. So let me give you a motorcycle story. Okay? So, and, and now you're going to look at this and you're going to think, Pastor John... There's got to be more to this story. Do not approach this with an evil heart of unbelief. Do not do that. This is a cool story that God has used in my life, and people in the church caught what I was trying to do, so they helped with it, but ultimately, it's gone to help so many people worldwide. All right, so let me show you the first picture. This, I think this was a 93 Springer. Soft tail Springer. And when I got it, it was just all stock. And dude, I started work putting chrome on it. Just, I, I would go out in the garage every night. Chris got to the point where you're going out to see your girlfriend in the garage. <laughs> How many of you know you got a problem when your wife is saying things like, like that? So, you know, here's a cliche, but it's true. You can have stuff, but stuff cannot have you. Many times in my life, God's asked me to sacrifice the stuff because it got in the wrong place in my life. Dave, it got in the wrong place. I'm susceptible to that. Anybody else? Yes. Maybe you, so you look at you like, I don't have any problem with motorcycles. <laughs> a car, a truck, a house, a relationship, a bank account, a vacation. So I get this bike. Now, for those who have been here long enough, do you know where the bike is parked in front of? That was our storefront. Thank you, Peter and Lisa. You were there during those days. That was our little storefront at uh, Broadway and County Line. And we're trying, we went to, for a school. After the first year, we moved into the storefront. We had it for about four years. And the church grew to about 1,000 people during that time in that little storefront. But how do you make it from there into a permanent building? I mean, the step is, it's one thing to take big steps, but it's another to have to take a step that you don't have it in yourself to make that step. So God does this super, supernatural, gives us a piece of property, but we still have to build a building. So I begin to try to raise money, and I realize, man, we're not going to come anywhere close to what we need, and I may end up losing this piece of property. And so I have this motorcycle, and the Lord challenges me, John, sell it and give the money. Sew it. Watch what I'll do with it. Oh, God. Can't somebody else give it away? <laughs> There's other people that have other things. God, why aren't you asking me? Come on, Pastor John. So I put it up, and there's a family in the church that loves me very much who bought that motorcycle, and I think it was either twelve dollars or $15,000. Right? And I put the money, every dime of it, into the building fund, and I watched God do this miraculous... But then that same family loved, loves, they're still here, loves me. 
And this is what they did for me. They went out and bought me a brand new. This is a 2005 fat boy screaming eagle. This was the bike of my dreams. And I love this motorcycle. God, I felt so cool riding that motorcycle, man. I felt the pleasure of God when I rode that motorcycle. <laughs> We're in the new building. And Peru comes up. And I want to do something great in missions. Something more than we had. And so we do a raffle with that motorcycle. And I believe the tickets were $100. And we raised the first go around $50,000. And the guy in the church that won it got what we were doing, turned around and gave it right back. So then we sold it and we sold it for $25,000. So that's $75,000. And people were also giving, just giving to mission. It just loosed this generosity that was crazy. And we gave some to Larry in Peru and to another missionary down there and to different places that Jonathan said, let's put some here, let's put some here, let's, let's. It was awesome. Jubilee gave more missions that year than we'd ever given. And then another family, different, who loved me, bought me this motorcycle, brand new. That's a street glide, Screaming Eagle. Okay, what happened to that motorcycle? This is not such a cool story. Chris and I are zipping down 25, right about 470, and a truck comes off an 18-wheeler. We're going about 75 or 80, and the, what? What is? Truck. You said truck came off. I'm sorry, a tire came off. Truck, truck hit us. You knew what I meant, didn't you? All the correctors over here. A truck comes off the tire, and so the truck's going as fast as we're... What did I say? Do you see why I say when I look in the mirror, I do not see, I'm like, it, yeah, that's, that's all I have going for me is Jesus loves me. Okay, tire comes off the truck. Chris is on the back, thank you. Tire comes off the truck, literally goes right by our head. We could hear it. Chris screams, Pull the bike over now. I'm like, I've heard this before. Pull the bike over. She's crying. She's, John, you are selling this motorcycle. You, you are never riding a motorcycle, and I am never riding a motorcycle either. I thought maybe she'll change her mind. She just got stronger over the next several days. I sold that motorcycle to honor my marriage. I sewed into my marriage. Amen. Okay? Amen. That's not glamorous, but the truth of the matter is, as I've always said, she comes first. I live by that. I think that that's, and that's not hard for me. It's not hard for me. So I go a couple of years without a motorcycle, but I'm praying, Lord. <laughs> the God who can do anything and changes hearts on an ongoing basis. You direct the heart of a king like rivers of water. Would you direct the queen? Would you? <laughs> and so several years has gone by. I'm having coffee, another family. And the guy said, Pastor, you used to love to ride. Why don't you ride anymore? And I told him the story. And he said, do you think your wife will ever let you ride again? I said, that's really funny. Because just in the last week, she softened up towards it after three years. And she said, we cannot live in fear. I said, you are correct. <laughs> the scripture says that very word right there. You cannot live in fear. And she says, so if the time ever comes where you want to get another bike, she said, I, I, I'll be open to it. So we weren't in a position to do anything, but the Lord knew. So I have coffee with this guy. Now, look, it's really important because with all these families that have done this for me, I didn't like get with them like, oh, I've really been praying for motorcycle. And if you guys really want to do something for me, would you buy? You know what? If you've got to prime the pump and make things happen, you know what's really powerful? When God does things without you saying anything to anybody so that you know he knows where you are in space and time. Space and time. It's power. It'll build your faith. 
So this is a completely different family. They bought me this motorcycle. This, um, this was also a dream motorcycle. This was a, a road uh, glide uh, screaming eagle. And I love this motorcycle, but we're moving from the old building to the new building. And so I said to the Lord, he didn't even have to ask me this time. I said, Lord, I'm going to put this up however you want me to do it, and I'm going to lead the way with our church. Before I ask the church to give anything to the building fund, I'm going to sell this and give it to the building fund and plant a seed first. And then the pandemic hit. For those who were here, you'll remember this story. And five of our missionaries were starving. Areas, you think it was bad here? There were places that shut down and clamped down. They couldn't get out to buy groceries. No money was coming in. They literally were starving. And I'm thinking I'm going to use it to raise money for a building. And this is what the Lord said. Do you remember? Do you remember what? The Lord said, if you'll take care of what's in my heart, I'll take care of what's in your heart. Lord. Okay. You gave... I sold it. Another family in the church who loves me, listen, but gets missions. They get what we were trying to do. Bought the bike, and they ended up giving it away to somebody. That's, love that. Gave the money, and the Lord turned that into $230,000 that we raised for missions. And supported our missionaries during that time, for that year. Gave them that. And then, as you know, we ended up building the new building. And it was miraculous. It was totally miraculous. Raised six and a half million in cash from this church. Unbelievable. Now, if you sit with a heart of up, you're like, come on. You come on. This happened. And what makes it cool? This is my story. It started with a little one, and it turned into bigger and bigger. And I, I have just learned open-handed. And by the way, so that you know, I have a motorcycle right now. I don't need one. I have one. It's not, I'm, there's no priming of the pump. There was one more. This black one, the end of the money we were trying to raise, I had gotten this one, and I just stood up and said, hey, so I'm going to go a little deeper, and uh, anybody wants to buy this one, I'll take any offer. And a guy gave $20,000 and then gave it away to somebody in the church. And that 20 went into the building. And then I'll show you one more picture. Who do you think that is? I was 18, and she was 17. That's the day she graduated from Bear Creek. And that wasn't my first motorcycle, but that was her first motorcycle. And her father came out and said, if you're going to date my daughter, you've got to buy a car. <laughs> so I've practiced giving up motorcycles for many years <laughs> for the right thing. I just thought I'd show you that one right there. There's no other story behind it. You know what makes these cool is that they're just like, you look at it and you go, that's just an amazing story based on something that was important to me that I've just learned that when you go open-handed, God can do anything. Yes. What's your story? And if you don't have one, do you want one? Come on. yes. Do you want one? All God wants is people who want a story. I'll do the miraculous with you. Open your hands. Open your hands. All right. Here's the third one. Rebuke the devourer. These are immutable principles. Malachi 3, 10, and 11. Look at this real quick. Rebuke the devourer. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Okay, the storehouse is a metaphor in the Old Testament for the place that they would bring the grain to or the offering to, it was next to the temple. It was the storehouse where then the priest could use it for the ministry of the Lord. So it's a metaphor. Today what we have is you bring your tithe to the church. Now I know everybody competes 
for dollars. We just went through Giving Tuesday. I can't tell you how many opportunities I had to give. The tithe belongs to the church that you're being fed at. Hear what I'm saying. When you take your tithe and you don't give it where it belongs, you're taking what is sacred and you're doing profane things with it. Profane does not mean, it means to make it common and ordinary. This belongs to the Lord. Do you hear me? Hear me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now here, try me, test me, prove me now, says the Lord of hosts. Look at the next part. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. One time in your life, would you love to say to the Lord, God, I can stop. I have no more room for blessing. Is that like the most un, like, like raising the dead and saying to God, no more blessing. And then this part, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. God will rebuke the devourer so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine, the, the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. You ever had a devourer in your life? So you listen to me. I'm talking to you about an immutable principle that's really important. Listen to this. Is there a devourer in your family? You raise them right. You raise them correctly. You raise them on the principles of God. And somehow, some way, you cannot explain it. A devourer got in there. Joel says the devourer eats and eats and eats. Here's the problem. It won't stay contained to that area. It will eat until it's stopped. Are you paying attention? This is important right now. Is that Siri? Siri's backing me up right now. Don't you hate stuff like that? Don't you hate when the pastor won't stop talking about that thing that just happened? Is there a devourer in your finances? Is every time you save up a little, something breaks, happens, so that you're always saying we just never can get ahead. You got stories, but they're the other way. Loss. I started out to see something great happen, and then this got in the way. It's rhetorical. Nobody has to own this right now, but I'm asking you. Do you have a devourer in your health? It's constant. It's beyond getting older. It's weird. Do you have a devourer in your marriage? Has he just eaten up your marriages? He'll eat the life out of them. He'll eat the joy out of them. He'll eat the promises out of them. Am I okay? Do you have a devourer in your mind? What was once solid and steady has become full of anxiety. You can't think straight. You can't concentrate. You go to read the Bible and it's like it's all jumbled and confused. Hello? Do you have devouring your peace? So we read all these promises of God. And I know, dude, I know I've been there. God, why do you do it for other people? God, why is it in the Bible? Why am I not seeing it in my life? And you're not going to give up on God, but you can't make the promises seem to happen for you. So you live this contrarian life. You love the Lord, but you're living far less than what the Bible says. And then we get a scripture where God says, test me, prove me, try me in this. And I will rebuke the devourer on your half. So listen to me. Last thing and then I'm closing with prayer. What we do is we go to people. Would you please pray that the devourer stopped in my life? And maybe you don't have that wording, but you're asking. Pray that this thing stops. It's consuming everything. I can't go on anymore. You're worn out. You need rest. 
You need margin, but you need real margin. You don't need a break and then it starts all over again tomorrow. And that's where we live our lives at. If I could just get to the next vacation. So I know what I'm saying right now. And so we're just like, What's, Pastor, you pray for me then. I hear this message and you're going right in my heart, so do something about it. I cannot. I wish I could. So we have a promise from God. Do this. And I'll rebuke the devourer on your half. I'll do this. The enemy cannot stand when the Lord says no. The enemy doesn't have a counter when God says enough. When God says this far and no more, he cannot cross that line. Think of Job. Do you remember that story, that weird story that I still cannot explain theologically? Have you considered my servant Job? Who fears me and lives for me? And the devil says to God, well, of course, because you protect everything in his life. Ah, contest. And he told the devil, you can go this far and no more. And the devil could reap some ugly things, but he couldn't go any farther than that line right there. Here's God using the same principle. I will push the line back, and the enemy can come no further than this line right here. What do you believe? I believe, pastor, it works for you because you're pastor. You've got a motivation behind the message. That's what you believe? You have a problem with money, friend? You have a problem with doing what the word says. And I'm not mean. I love you. I want you to have abundant life. I want you to come tell me stories that make me go. Seriously, I want that. I rejoice so much this morning waiting to come out for communion. There's a monitor and I'm watching you worship. Mariah is singing and I'm watching you worship. I'm jumping for the Lord. Look at my church. And then I'm thinking, I'm that. What what, is the Lord jumping this morning? Is he excited at the worship he's receiving right now? Dude, I'm on your side. I'm for you. And if you've been here any length of time, am I a manipulator, yes or no? I am not. I have given my life to one group of people. I'll be here tomorrow to clean up any mess. I love you and committed to you. And I preach this because the Holy Spirit told me to do this. There's a blessing here that God wants us to tap into right now. Hmm. If you don't give, you should give. And if you give and it's not automatic, make it automatic. And if it is automatic, consider 2023 and let's get understanding. I want to blow. (laughs) I want to blow by Everything that the world says is impossible. I want to plant churches next year, not out of Jubilee necessarily, but other churches that are, why not let them use this great resource that we have? I want a school of ministry, a place that teaches revival. I want to reach into our business community. We're working on that right now in a whole new way. There's so much that I want to do. With all you're getting, get understanding. Help me. Build the kingdom. Build the kingdom. God, we love you. Father, I bless you. What an honor it is to preach your word, God. Church, you know this. I don't take myself seriously, but I take the kingdom of God very seriously. This is real. In my mind, it's a matter of life and death. That's how serious I see it. Maybe not physically, but spiritual life and death, emotional life and death. It's the difference between the abundant life that Jesus said he came to bring and believers who are going to heaven, but they do never, never. They just don't tap into the abundant life. I don't know, you're just thinking like, oh, this is automatic. God partners with us. He's looking for partners today to believe him, to put the word in action. He always puts his finger on the thing. What's the thing? Hmm. So God, do this. Father, speak this. Seal this. Lord, for many, there's a devourer. And I know you're like, I, just get it to stop. And God gives us, here's what I've learned. Keep your heads bowed. Listen to this. Whenever we ask God for his blessing, generally speaking, in my life, I've always seen it this way. He'll give an instruction. 
And he waits to see if you're obedient. Here's what he taught me. On the other side of obedience is the miraculous. The reason that we don't get into the miraculous is because seldom times are we fully obedient to do what God says to do. It's not heaven and hell, but it is this place of tapping the miraculous. Obedience. Faith. With all you're getting, get understanding. God, thank you for today. Thank you for how you use our church. Thank you for the new things you're going to do now. God, I bless you. I praise you and I honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.